Exploding with flavor, it's the Relevant Podcast. Relevant Podcast. Anytime, anywhere. It's the week of Monday, July 28th, 2008, and this is The Relevant Podcast. The Relevant Podcast is the audio companion to Relevant Magazine and RelevantMagazine.com. I'm Cameron Strang, and today will be a podcast literally like none other in our three and a half years of doing this. Um, we are literally uh, on deadline today. The September-October issue is going to the printer today. Historically... That would mean we would not do a podcast. We would just skip it because the team is slammed. I personally was working till 5 a.m. last night. But, you know, we get a lot of negative emails. People get upset. People make fun of us. Um, you know, and it hurts our feelings. So we decided instead of skipping the podcast like we normally would, uh, it would be better to put something together um, that's a little different than the normal thing than not doing anything at all. So it's just me today. Uh, Adam, Lloyd, Maya, everybody else is is um, off scrambling, running around the office. So it's just me. And I'm going to bring in a couple special features. We're not going to do slices. We're not going to do feedback and all that. But we have some great uh, features that we wanted to run for you. It's definitely going to be worth your while. Coming up later in the podcast, we have a live in-studio performance by recording artist Brandon Heath. But before that, we have an interview with filmmaker Dan Merchant, who is featured in the current issue of Relevant. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a one-time-only weird version of the Relevant Podcast. You're listening to Albert Hammond Jr. The song is GFC. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard the Black Keys with the song Strange Times. Before we get into the interview, I uh, want to let you know about our sponsor this week. We the This week's podcast is actually brought to you by RethinkChristianity.com. Are you ready for a new kind of Christianity, one of adventurous theology, passionate faithfulness, postmodern wit, and unrelenting concern for the justice and peace that God offers? Join the conversation at RethinkChristianity.com. We have questions, you have answers. Post yours to win an iPod. This is actually a really cool microsite uh, where uh, questions are asked each week, and people literally post videos, whether it be just shot on their um, kind of MacBook or or home video camera or whatever, and they upload it to YouTube. And these video answers are played, and, and you d- kind of join the conversation and dialogue, and it's a way to let your voice be heard. It's pretty cool. And if you not only do you get famous, but you actually can win an iPod too. It's actually really neat. Anyway, back to the script. This week's question is, 
Why do you think that so many people are questioning the traditional ways of doing church? You can go over to RethinkChristianity.com, post your response, and you could win an iPod. Dan Merchant is a filmmaker that was spotlighted in the current July-August issue of Relevant. He he recently did a documentary called Lord Save Us From Your Followers, which is getting a ton of play. He's uh, been speaking like at Yale. He's getting a ton of press. And it's a very compelling documentary. Uh, if you want to find out more about it, you can check it out at lordsaveusthemovie.com. And here is Adam Smith's interview with Dan Merchant. Can you tell me about like the process that uh, led you to the idea for Lord Save Us From Your Followers? The, the the short story of the uh, of the four year journey is that uh, the executive producer uh, of the film Jeff Martin, uh, the cinematographer uh, Jim Standridge, and myself all just happened to be uh, on a trip to Ethiopia uh, together. Uh, we I'd started this business with Jeff, and and we were traveling, and we were uh, we were shooting footage in Ethiopia. And what I didn't know at the time was that that was the start of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we met uh, we met Ethiopian Christians who. Uh, you know, we're living out this beautiful faith in the most difficult circumstances that I'd ever seen, and uh, and saw you know Christians from all over the world doing remarkable you know giving and loving uh, you know using their hands and meeting the needs of of people in these difficult situations uh, you know all over Ethiopia. And then we came home. Uh, this would have been spring 2004, uh, into the midst of the uh, the run up to the uh, you know to the 04 elections, and mm-hmm. saw you know a different face to Christianity, which was a little more. <laughs> strident and political and uh, seemed to be a lot more concerned about being right uh, than uh, the gospel of love that we'd just seen. So I think that 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 gulf trying to reconcile the gap between this kind of Christianity that reminded me of Jesus and 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 what I saw that was really political and um, and you know not just you know right wing but left wing too and just you know it's like wow that's there's there's a disconnect here there's something that doesn't remind me about Jesus here and that I think was that was the start of the of the journey you know why is the gospel of love dividing America was kind of what I wanted to go find out wow now for anyone who hasn't seen the film yet can you kind of explain. Uh, the way you went about finding that out? Sure. Yeah, it, it was basically a, an examination of the, the collision of, of faith and culture, uh, you know, in America. And um, one of the things that personally had 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 hurt me, um, and um, this is interesting how God uses your your specific experiences and and your your own hurts to to kind of be a filter to look at a larger picture. But basically, this idea that that it was okay for us to be so separate from each other that that it was pretty easy to create you know enemies. It was pretty easy to be. Um, you know, separate from one another, and and I think part of that was that we had gotten so comfortable reducing complex people and complex issues into this bumper sticker mentality, where mm. you know my point of view could fit on a bumper sticker, and all I had to do was slap that on my car and shout it at you, if you will, and that was it. There was no conversation; it was all monologue and, and no dialogue. So, kind of in the keeping of that theme, and realizing that desperate times require desperate measures, uh, I created this thing called bumper sticker man, where I put on a painter's suit and uh, covered it in bumper stickers, both pro and con of things I believed, and I didn't necessarily let people know where I was coming from, but here was the Darwin fish right next to the Jesus fish. Here were pro-life and pro-choice bumper stickers right next to each other. So it created this very bizarre kind of, you know, NASCAR driver <laughs> run amok look. And, uh, and and what it did is it jump-started a conversation. I really wanted to see, you know, is a conversation possible? 
with people I don't agree with. And, you know, it turns out it is if you're willing to listen. And, you know, as believers, if we're willing to enter a conversation with some grace and some humility, long-lost uh, character trait, <laughs> and, and boy, it was remarkable how willing people were to talk about faith and politics and all these things that we weren't supposed to talk about, we were only being allowed to fight about. And it really, it really personally showed me that the us-versus-them choices that we've been you know, given by the media, let's say, or or sometimes by our church, sometimes by our friends. But I mean, us and them, those are not the only choices. There, there actually is this third choice called we. Uh, and that was, uh, that was really fun for me to make friends with people from completely different backgrounds who totally disagreed with me uh, about various and assorted things, including Christianity. Um, but you know what? The more we talked and the more we listened to each other, and that's the trick. After listening to them, you know, they were willing to listen to me and and create this more nuanced, you know, picture of who a Christian is um, than than some people had. I mean, you know what? As, as sad as it is, some people do believe the bumper stickers. Right. You know, regardless of where you stand, some people do believe, you know, the oversimplified, overhyped, you know, media version of what a Christian is or what a gay person is or mm. what a conservative is or what a liberal is. And you know what? We're, we're all people and we're all children of God. And, boy, my big lesson was... You know, people are complicated, issues are complicated, and it's just not a mistake that Jesus asked us to love one another. He knew what he was talking about. Yeah. So, uh, you know, even though you went out kind of with the the mindset to have these conversations through it, did you find your own perspective changing then? Yeah, you know what? It it really did. Um, I mean, I was just so broken and, and so hurt uh, over the separation that it really was taking a sort of a personal, you know, toll on me. So that I was like suffocating. I was gasping for air personally. So that that these conversations were were just really meaningful personally. And then as I started to to move through this journey, I realized there's a whole lot of people, you know, feeling how I was feeling, thinking mm-hmm. that, that such conversations just weren't possible. And, you know, I can't tell you how many conversations I had with people who were shocked to find out, you know, that I was a Christian because I wasn't trying to convert them in the conversation or because I wasn't wow. shouting them down and telling them why they're going to hell. And these are intelligent, smart people, um, you know, many of them, and, uh, and all of them great people who have given this topic a lot of thought, regardless of, uh, you know, whether you're a you know, a terrific theologian with a learned degree, or, you know, you're a guy who works in the factory. Everybody has a take on this topic. Everybody's got a dog mm-hmm. in this fight. And so to have these conversations with people and realize that, wow, you know, I, I can be a Christian and not have to tell you about a prophecy of a tsunami going to hit your hometown, um, that, that all Christians aren't like that. And they're like, really? That's just wild. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You really <laughs> thought we were all like that? <laughs> So anyway, that was so. So personally, that was the, you know this breaking of the ice thing, and, and I guess the other personal thing that I really did learn was that this us and them thing really you know is an illusion. Um, you know that that entering conversations with people, regardless of, of their walk of life or how they got to this this point where you're face to face with them. You know, humility and love and kindness and friendship and patience and just not having to be right. You know, let's let's figure out how to how to love them and and meet a need that they might have before you know deciding to check with you know the boxes that they agree with or disagree with me on, and it just completely transforms the conversation. I, there was a thing we did um, where I I'd set up a confession booth at uh, the Gay Pride Northwest event in Portland, Oregon, which is 
you know the least church state uh, in the, in the country, hmm. and um, and has the highest population of, of lesbians per capita. I'm told. I don't know what that means, but I thought that was a fascinating statistic. Yeah. And so so we set up this confession booth, and kind of like uh, Tony the Beat Poet and Don Miller do in Blue Like Jazz. You know, it's a reverse confession booth, and you know it's like the Pope mm-hmm. did at the Jubilee speech. You know, I apologized for the church that I love and the church that I'm a part of, and for my own sins against the gay community. And what could have been a you know an eight-hour knockdown, drag-out brawl over and over and over with people that I didn't d- agree with necessarily, and who certainly didn't agree with me. Um, Instead, it was transforming. You know, half the people in that confession booth openly wept while talking wow. with me. They told me their stories of their life and their hurts, and it was remarkable. You know, the power of a, an apology and the, the the grace that that happened in the space that was created by you know being humble and honestly caring for these other people and going, I'm so sorry. You know, please. You know. I'm just sorry, and and really, that was almost it. That was all that it, that it took to get started. And then they would start telling me, you know, telling me, you know, things about their life. And all, all of a sudden, we're on common ground. All of a sudden, we're both children of God. Instead mm-hmm. of I'm wearing this jersey and you're wearing that jersey, you know. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, that's that's the thing. It's like, hey, guess what? This whole grace thing it actually works. <laughs> Loving kindness actually works. Yeah. Now, in the midst of this, did you at any time run into some animosity with people? Not really. Um, in the confession booth uh, specifically, you know, I, I certainly could have expected, you know, a lot more antagonism from the gay community than not not a group of people uh, generally treated particularly well by Christians. So mm-hmm. I, I expected to have to take some 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 licks for that and and it really it, it really never materialized you know it, we didn't end up in political arguments they were you know half the people thought i was gay which sort of was <laughs> what was an indication my wife teases me that it's because of my neat haircut and i said no 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 i think it i think it's because they were so shocked to find a christian uh not holding a sign at right. gay pride and apologizing to them that it's like it just didn't process which again is another you know indication of of how far this gulf between us is that it and it, and it doesn't have to be that way hmm. you know the conversation is there if we want it and as christians you know the way i read it we're supposed to be in the conversation business we're supposed to be in the good news business um you know not the i'm right you're wrong business um you know within the context of relationship like jesus demonstrates over and over you know there's there's ways to to demonstrate the truth there's there's ways to you know speak the truth um but you know, if you don't have a context and you don't have a conversation happening in the first place, as we've already seen and as I've seen it in the last eight or ten years, uh, it doesn't work anyway, guys. Right. And and to, to, for me personally, the question became: Is the burden on on my lips or your ears? Hmm. You know, if I'm saying if I'm saying this and I, it's the truth and I'm speaking it, and all you hear is I hate you, is that do I dismiss you and go, well, you just don't know the truth, or? Maybe I need to figure out a different way to communicate the truth so that you understand what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And and I, I feel like I've learned that if I'm willing to understand who the other person is and then try and share Christ's love in a way that they'll actually understand it, meet somebody where they are, I believe Paul calls it. Uh, you know, it's not like it's not like they didn't write this stuff down a long time ago, you know. Yeah. It's been it's been around for a while. So anyway, but that's that's why I'm so encouraged at the end of this end of this vision, uh, you know, the this journey is that um, 
there are so many people in this country who actually do know what they believe and why they believe it and and have been sharing God's love in these beautiful, powerful ways in little pockets that I, I'd never seen. Even in my hometown of you know Portland, Oregon here, there's a group that every Friday night, uh, it's called Night Strike, every Friday night they, they head out under the uh, the Burnside Bridge in Old Town, which is sort of the, the, the hangout for the homeless, if you will, and they wash the feet of the homeless and wow. feed them dinner and give them clothes. And it's mind-boggling. And the cool thing is, is that... Um, you know, everybody understands that language, right. you know, the, the, the language of having your needs met and being loved on by people who genuinely care about you. Jesus's language communicates regardless of where you come from and what your doctrine is. And, you know, we visited in uh, Biloxi, Mississippi after uh, Hurricane Katrina, and, uh, you know, 80, 85 percent of the people down there helping out were Christian church people. Wow. That's just who was mostly there. You know, that's that's just how it is. You can argue with me, <laughs> but I guess it's people who love, you know, who love God and are trying to show God they love Him by loving on other people are the ones that show up. And and you know the people in that community, you know, were blown away. Um, and and some fabulous, you know, kind of racial reconciliation stuff got started there because it was mostly, you know, white people coming from other parts of the country, mm-hmm. loving on in this East Biloxi area where we visited, mostly black people. Mm-hmm. And we met a, a terrific guy who was 62 years old there who, you know, had 15 white kids on his roof, you know, hammering away going... I, I've never had white people love me like this before. Wow. I don't want to play the race card, but I, I've never seen this. Wow. You know, and they don't even know me, and it's because they love Jesus. You know, and people just feel it. And uh, so, anyway, that's why you know I made a movie, Lord Save Us from Your Followers, and wrote a companion book named after a bumper sticker. And that's what I come out the other end with is, guess what? (laughs) (laughs) Jesus' grace works, and there's a lot of people loving on people all over the place. And, boy, if we could could just stop the, uh, you know, put an end to this cult, this ridiculous culture wars notion and, you know, understand that we don't have to agree with everybody on every point before we try and be friends with them or try and share you know, demonstrate God's love into their life. And I don't mean hand them a tract and tell them they're going to hell if they don't agree with us. I mean, understand them, find out how you can help. And if that's tutor their kid, if that's mow their yard, if that whatever you can do to show them that you love them in a way that they understand it, Mm -hmm. then guess what? Then you've created some space for God to work and some pretty cool stuff happens then. All right, cool. Well, Dan, thanks so much for taking the time for us. Um, oh, you bet, Adam. And once again, the uh, movie is Lord Save Us From Your Followers. Uh, is there a website that they can go to to check it Absolutely. out? Absolutely. Yeah, the uh, the website is lordsaveusthemovie.com, and you can actually stream the movie online. Um, you can invite us to, to come to your church to screen the film um, or just screen the film and not invite me. That's fine. I'm actually <laughs> going to be uh, uh, down at, uh, at the Ecclesia Church in, in Houston where uh, Chris C. is the pastor on uh, Memorial Day to screen the film. So that's fun. We're getting out to, to lots of churches, and, uh, and I love doing the Q&A uh, afterwards with the congregation and the pastors, and, you know, that's rocking. And uh, we'll be out on a, on a, a, college, uh, a college tour in the fall. And uh, we're looking to be in a wider uh, theatrical release in the fall as well. But Lord Save Us the Movie dot com. There's clips and highlights, and you can see my uh, interview with uh, Matt Lauer on the Today Show is there, and USA Today pieces. And you know we're starting to get some get some conversation going. It's pretty exciting. Excellent. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. All right. Take care, Adam. All right. Have a good one. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. 
You're listening to Scissor Sisters. The song is She's My Man, dedicated to Lloyd Kinsley. Before we get into the performance, quick note of uh, relevant update, I guess. Um, you might have mentioned it. I, meant, I posted on Slices on the website, but um, we have an internship application on our website, on our jobs page. And we usually get dozens upon dozens upon dozens. And we weren't getting any, and we couldn't figure out why. We looked. Turns out it was broken. Uh, it had been broken um, basically since the end of May. So if you have applied for a fall internship at Relevant and did not hear back from us, it's because, not because we don't like you, it's because we didn't know you were trying to reach out to us. So if you're interested in any fall internships, whether it be design, uh, business, sales, editorial, or marketing, um, yeah, email us or uh, go to the relevantmagazine.com or go to relevantmagazine.com and send in an internship application. We'd love to hear from you. Brandon Heath is a recording artist that you probably know. He has a new album coming out uh, August 19th, and it's called What If We. His website is brandonheath.net, not .com, .net. And uh, he came by the office a couple weeks ago to play us some tracks from the new album. So without any further ado, here is Brandon Heath. Hey, this is Brandon Heath at Relevant, talking about my new record, What If We. And uh, this is the first single off the record called Give Me Your Eyes. Look down from a broken sky, traced out by the city lights. My world from a mile high, best seat in the house tonight. Touchdown in the cold black tile, hold on for the sudden star. Breathing the familiar shock of confusion and chaos. All those people going somewhere Why have I never cared? Give me your eyes for just one second Give me your eyes so I can see Everything that I keep missing Give me your love for humanity Give me your arms for the broken hearted The ones that are far beyond my reach Give me your heart for the ones forgotten Give me your eyes so I can see Yeah 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 Touch down on the busy street See a girl in our eyes meet Does her best to smile at me To hide what's underneath and there's a man just to right, black suit and a bright red tie. Too ashamed to tell his wife he's out of work, he's buying time. All those people going somewhere, why have I never cared? Give me your eyes for just one second, give me your eyes so I can see everything that I keep missing. Give me your love for humanity Give me your arms for the broken hearted The ones that are far beyond my reach Give me your heart for the ones forgotten Give me your eyes so I can see Yeah 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 I've been here a million times A couple of million nights 
second Give me your eyes so I can see Everything that I keep missing Give me your love for humanity Give me your arms for the broken hearted The ones that are far beyond my reach Give me your heart for the ones forgotten Give me your eyes so I can see Give me your eyes Lord, give me your eyes For everything That I keep missing Give me your heart For the broken hearted Give me your arms Lord, give me your eyes Yeah 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 Yeah, so that was uh, Give Me Your Eyes, which was written with a friend of mine, um, Jason Ingram, and really just talking about being in airports and the whole experience of uh, the, the stress that you go under and feeling sometimes like you're disconnected from everybody else in the whole airport. And So for me, it's just an interesting thought to think there are so many cool stories um, all around you and ones that you'd never know unless you ask you know and I'm, I'm kind of the guy that likes to be quiet on the plane and not always talk to the person next to me but um i've i've learned i think a little bit more to to just engage with people and um and i think that's how you know we love others and 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 respond um in interest and um it kind of makes us feel more connected to, to just to feel like we're open to ask questions, even to strangers. So, um, I think, uh, I think that's what that song is really about. And, um, just, you never know who's around you and what might be going on in their life. So, um, this next song is, uh, a song that I wrote by myself. This is called, uh, wait and see. Humidity Doctors said I was lucky To be alive I've been trouble Since the day that I got here Trouble to the day That I disappear That'll be the day that I finally Get it right There is hope For me Yeah Because God Won't forget all the plans is made for me I have to wait and see He's not finished with me yet He's not finished with me yet No Never really was that good in school I talked too much, broke the rules just thought I was a hopeless fool, all right. I don't know how, but I made it through. It's one of those things you gotta do. I always had a knack for telling the truth. There is hope for me. 
Listening to One Day as a Lion. The song is If You Fear Dying. It's the new EP by Zach De La Rocha and, and the drummer from Rage Against the Machine. So it's a lot of good stuff there. Many thanks to Brandon Heath uh, for coming through the studio and playing those new songs from his upcoming album, What If We. Um, you can check him out at brandonheath.net. Also, thanks to filmmaker Dan Merchant for talking to us. Again, his website is Lord Save Us, the movie. Next week, we'll be back to normal. Uh, The full crew will be here, and uh, we'll get to your feedback. So if you want to send in feedback, just listen to last week's episode and answer that question. Uh, We'll do your feedback. We'll do slices. We'll be back with the full, full show. Thanks for listening. I'm Cameron Strang, and we'll see you next week.
Relevance Podcast. Anytime, anywhere.